Father, as we open up the Word today, we ask that you'll bless us, that you'll speak to us from your Word, that we'll understand new things, and we'll become more like Jesus, in whose name we pray today. Amen. Now, look, the reading, I'm not going to do a reading as such at the moment because it's all over the place. It's a bit higgledy-piggledy. So it's going to be from Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 19 and a bit of chapter 20. And I'll read them as we go. But my big question for you today is how are you going to meet the king? Because this, this chapter we're going to look at from, from 2 Samuel, it's, it's, we find King David returning home. I mean, you heard the story, been working through, through David's life for the last... 20 weeks or whatever it's been. This is week 21, I think. And we've seen that Absalom has rebelled against David and Absalom has been killed. And now David is returning to Jerusalem. And the, and the return of David to Jerusalem finds the people of Israel a little bit at odds with their king. Some are prepared for the return and others are not so glad for him to come back. And in this chapter, in the, and in the first, uh, first verse of chapter 20, we find five different people, and we're going to look at their reactions to the return of David. Because not everyone is, is happy for the king to come back to Jerusalem. But I want to intertwine David's return with the return of another king. And his name is Jesus. He's also coming back. And people are going to react to him when he returns. And there are some wonderful... Things said about the return of Jesus. And if you would keep your finger in 2 Samuel for a moment, but look at, at, uh, at John chapter 14. Jesus says these words in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So Jesus says, I am coming back. Does he say it somewhere else too? Well, Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Jesus is ascending into heaven. And after he's taken up, before their very eyes, a cloud hides him from the sight of the disciples that are there. They're looking intently up into the sky as he's going. Then suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go to heaven. Jesus is coming back. The same way he went, he's going to come back. That's exciting. So the king is coming back. But not everyone is going to be happy to meet the king when he comes back. And I want to explore that today. How will you meet the king is the most pertinent question. Are you ready for the return? Let's have a look back at, at 2 Samuel chapter 19. Have a look at verse 17, if you would. Now, you know the story a little bit already. Um, David's coming back into, into Jerusalem. And all, all different kinds of people are, are coming out to meet him. In verse 17, there's a guy called Ziba, the steward of Saul's household with his 15 sons and 20 servants. They rushed to the Jordan where the king was. Now, when Ziba knows that King David is coming back, he comes, and, comes before David and Ziba is worried about the return of Jesus. Because when Jesus left Jerusalem, sorry, when, sorry, David, get it right. My brain's working in too many levels all at once. I'm a bloke and that's pretty amazing. When David left Jerusalem the first time, Ziba came to the king and brought him food and all the necessities. 
And in the process of giving food to David when he was leaving Jerusalem, because Absalom had, had, had instigated a rebellion, Ziba takes some time to slander the name of that guy called Mephibosheth. Remember Ziba was the looking after Mephibosheth? Well, when Ziba comes to, to give the food to David, David says, where's Mephibosheth? And Ziba says, oh, no, he, he's not here. He, he actually thinks that he's going to be returned to the throne when you leave. So David's a bit cranky about that and says to Ziba, all right, Mephibosheth, all his land, which belonged to Saul, is now yours. So Ziba actually got all the belongings of Mephibosheth under false pretenses because this wasn't the way Mephibosheth was feeling at all. So Ziba's worried, and rightly so, because he sees the king coming back. And I think Ziba for us, by the way, is a picture of people who are in the church as well. People who profess to love and have allegiance for the king, Jesus. But in reality, they're not for him at all. In other words, Ziba is the portrait of a hypocrite. Be careful that you're not one of them. Because many are guilty of hypocrisy because they claim to be one thing, but they act like another. And that's not the way things are supposed to be. When the Lord saves you, when the Lord saves a soul, he takes possession of that life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The Bible's telling us that we actually lose the rights to our own life when Jesus is in charge of us. And as a result, we're expected to live for the Lord. 1 Peter 1, verse 16 says, Be holy because I am holy, God. Shouldn't we be a holy people? Sold out for God? Absolutely. Still, there are many who refuse to get in line with the Lord. So when Jesus comes back, will you be worried? Yes, if you're, if you're not living a life sold out before the Lord. If you've chosen to be unfaithful before God, well, you have reason to worry. Because you know what's going to happen when he comes? We'll all stand before him before the judgment seat of Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. All of us are going to appear before God. Romans 14 verse 12 says, Each one of us will give an account of himself before God. We're all going to appear there. Are you worried about that? Now, some might say, well, hang on a second, can't I live as I please? Well, of course you can. You can live as you please, but there'll be a price to pay. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by a guy who knew all about pleasing himself and having all the sorts of things, anything that he could have, and he comes to this conclusion, God will bring you to judgment. So beware. Galatians chapter 6 tells us we will reap what we sow. You reap exactly what you sow. So the real question should be, we should be answering is, if I can live like I please, am I really saved? Because if you're living just any way you want, you're not really saved. Because along with being saved comes a desire to serve the Lord. Dennis is a saved man. You see, he serves the Lord. And he doesn't stop serving the Lord. He's proven it to us. Well, I think the best thing we can do in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming is to be prepared. If you're lost, come to Jesus and be saved. If you're saved, live your life in such a fashion that you're not going to be ashamed when Jesus appears. Well, that was Ziba. Let's have a look at some others. 2 Samuel 19, verses 24 to 30. 
Mephibosheth, I was just talking about him a moment ago, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, My lord, the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddle and will ride it on it so I can go with the king. But Zeba, there he is, my servant betrayed me. And he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. My lord the king is like an angel of God. So do whatever pleases you. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my lord the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who sat at your table. So what right do I have to come to, to make any more appeals to the lord the king? The king said to him, why say more? I order you and Zeba to divide the fields. Ephibosheth said to the king, let him take everything. Now that my lord, the king, has arrived home safely. So among the people that came to meet David when he was returning to Jerusalem is Mephibosheth. And he's been misrepresented by Ziba, his servant. And when Mephibosheth comes out to meet the king, we see he hasn't washed or he hasn't shaved since the day that David left Jerusalem. Why did he do that? Because he's in mourning. He's saddened by all of this. He's, he's shocked by the whole thing. He spends his time waiting for the king to return. And there's a very good reason for this. Because you remember the story of Mephibosheth. We explored it a few weeks ago. He was a descendant of, of Saul. He was an enemy of David. And yet David takes him into his own household, treats him as one of his own children, and feeds him at his own table every single day. He's amazing. So Mephibosheth's love is based on what the king has done for him. And he longs for nothing more than to see the king. Now, when David returns, I think he was a bit unfair with Mephibosheth. Don't you think so? When he says, you know, divide everything between you and Ziba. That was a bit crook because Ziba was a, not such a nice person. Anyway, Mephibosheth, he proves his love because he says, I don't care about the lands, actually, just as long as you're back. That's all I care about. That was his love for his king. Now, Brothers and sisters, not every Christian is going to be worried when Jesus comes. There are going to be some who are actually spending their time waiting for Jesus to come back. And to their hearts, there's going to be no sweeter sound than to hear that last trumpet blast and that shout from heaven, come up here. That's going to be a day. That's going to be a day, I can tell you. And I want everyone who's looking for the Lord Jesus to return to know that one day, your heart's cry is going to be answered. Jesus is coming back. He'll return with power and glory and it'll take his people to be up with him in heaven. Can I show you that from the Bible? Would you like to hear about it? Good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Listen to what the Bible says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. These are encouraging words. Jesus is coming back and we are going to meet him. Praise God. That is exciting. Have a look also, if you would, at uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15. Uh, verses 51 and 52. Paul says this, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. That means die. Okay, that's a euphemism for die. We're not all going to die. But we will all be changed 
in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Brothers and sisters, there's a day coming with a flash and a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be immortal, raised up, and to be with Jesus. We're going to see him. Praise God, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for us. I'm excited by this. Will you be waiting for him when he returns? Because when the truth dawns on your soul, you become, you become loved, possessed with a love for Jesus that cannot be explained. The things of this earth, all the lands and all that sort of stuff you can have just don't matter like for Mephibosheth. He says, the only thing I care about is that the king is back. That's going to be us as well. When you consider that the Lord has forgiven all of our sins, removed the penalty of our sins, even broken the power of sin over your life, how could you not want to see him? When you remember that he loves you and keeps you and blesses you with more than you deserve, it'll touch your heart, it'll cause you to long for his return. If there's one thing I want in my life, I want to see Jesus and I want to see him coming back. So we should be not looking at the world and all of its treasures. Who cares? We can't take it with you. You know that, don't you? Though I was talking to someone who wants to have some roof racks on his uh, coffin, but that's all right. You can't take it with you. <laughs> That's okay. He knows who he is. We, we're good friends. Are you looking for Jesus to return? Because it's going to be a day of rejoicing. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 20 says, 28 says, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Brothers and sisters, that's us. Be waiting for Jesus. Well, let's have a look at some other guys. Uh, back to 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 31 to 40. Barzillai. Okay. This is the one for the pensioners. Barzillai the Gileadite also came down from Regalim to cross the Jordan with the king and to send him on his way from there. Now, Barzillai was very old, a very old man, about 80 years of age. Some of you are very young and some of you are now very old, according to the Bible, huh? I didn't say it, the Bible said it, okay? He had provided for the king during his stay in Mahanaim. For he was a very wealthy man. Oh, who's old and very wealthy? I have to, yeah, anyway. The king said to Barzillai, Cross over with me and stay with me in Jerusalem, and I'll provide for you. But Barzillai answered the king, How many more years will I live that I should go up to Jerusalem with the king? I'm now 80 years old. Can I tell the difference between good and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and drinks? Can I still hear the voices of the, of the men and women singers? Why should my servant be, added, be an added burden to my lord the king? Your servant will cross over the Jordan with the king for a short distance. But why should the king reward me in this way? Let your servant return that I may die in my town near the tomb of my father and my mother. But here is your servant, Kimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king. Do for him whatever pleases you. The king said, Kimham shall cross over with me and I'll do for him whatever pleases you. Anything you desire for me, I will do for you. So all the people crossed the Jordan, and then the king crossed over. The king kissed Barzillai and gave him his blessing, and Barzillai returned to his home. So Barzillai is, is another one who came to meet David when he returns to Jerusalem. And, and Barzillai, he, meets the, he, he greets the return of the king with great joy and happiness. He's excited by this. He's glad the king has returned. And even though he's 80 years of age, he still comes down to greet the king as he returns. 
Now, not much is known about this man. He's just old and he's rich. However, the Bible does give us a glimpse into his life. It seems that when David was on the way into exile, Barzillai was faithful in his servant for the king. He was instrumental in meeting the king's needs. He made sure he had food and, 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 and he had, had the things that he needed for his travels. Barzillai was there providing for him. So when the king returns now, we find that this same spirit is active in this faithful man. He's still serving the king when he returns. Yes, Barzillai is old, but he is still working. So who's going to PNG with Dennis? Huh? Yeah, okay. Will you be found working for the king when he returns? Because today there are a lot of AWOL Christians. They really are, absent without leave, okay? They're saved, but they refuse to serve the Lord. And they're afflicted with what the Bible, I think, calls various diseases in Matthew 4.24. Various diseases. Here are some of the afflictions. There's Sundayitis, also known as Morbus Sabiticus. It's a baffling condition. Produces symptoms that are seen only on Sundays. It produces acute laziness in the person afflicted. They seem to need to sleep in. They'll spend all day at the beach. The strange disease affects them in all sorts of ways when it comes to going to church, except for when you've got to go to a party. That seems to be all the symptoms go. It's quite amazing. So it's really worst between 9am and 12pm on Sunday, that particular disease. Then there's black tongue. Have you ever heard of that disease? That's characterised by idle gossip. Very disagreeable kind of disease that affliction is. And there's spiritual paralysis. This sad condition doesn't affect many people, except for in the area of doing the Lord's work. And their only symptom is inactivity, and they will hear these words, get someone else. Hmm? And then there's sore eyes. Well, that's a problem. It's a disease that, that they suffer from when they keep on looking in the wrong things in that other person. They get sore eyes. And there's spiritual indigestion. That's, that's stomach upsets and it produces lots of gas, I think. The disease is mostly triggered by preaching the word of God. The sufferer has a strong desire for spiritual milk. You know, I need some milk. Don't give me this meaty stuff because the symptoms return when you get the meaty stuff. There's spiritual malnutrition. The sufferer is usually weak in, in faith, can't seem to develop a consistent walk with God, and that's caused by lack of Bible study and, and overindulgence in worldly pleasures. And then there are spiritual bruises. Have you ever seen them? No. They cause incredible soreness in particular spots. And when the preacher talks about faithfulness and tithing and obedience and surrender and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's easy to diagnose because they yell. You put your finger on the spot again. And the cirrhosis of the giver. That's a dreadful one. An affliction that produces tenderness in the area immediately around the wallet and your checkbook. Yeah. All those things are there. Barzillai wasn't like that though, was he? He kept living, he kept giving, he kept on working until the king returned. Can the same be said for all of us? It should be said for every child of God. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. What's the trust been, that's been given to every single Christian? That we be witnesses. A witness simply tells what happened to them. We are to be witnesses, brothers and sisters. That's a trust that has been given to you, and we now need to be witnesses to all those around about us. Well, thank God that there are some who are still working. They love the Lord. They're still in his vineyard. They're laboring for the master. May I remind you that if you've been faithful to God, there are some wonderful words coming. Matthew 25, verse 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come in and share your master's happiness. Brothers and sisters, don't give up the fight. 
We've got something wonderful to be doing. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are doing kingdom work together. This is a big thing that we are all part of. There's one other response I want to look to. This time it's in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 20. Verse 1. Now a troublemaker named Sheba, son of Bichri, a Benjamite, happened to be there. He sounded the trumpet and shouted, We have no share in David, no part in Jesse's son. Every man to his tent, O Israel. What's going on there? This fellow, Sheba, when he comes out to meet David, he, he's, he's, a, he's a rebel, he's a wicked man. And he wants one thing, that is to overthrow King David. He wants to see David ousted from the throne. He hates David, he tries to lead Israel in rebelling against the king. And in response, David's generals, they go after Sheba. And about 20 verses later, he loses his head. Not a good move. Eh? But this man, Sheba, he represents all of those who are enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, many people may feel like, I'm not an enemy of Jesus. But the truth is that every person who's not in a personal relationship with Jesus is in fact an enemy of God. Romans 8 verse 7 says, The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So when King Jesus returns, these people are going to find themselves in the same position as Sheba. They'll find themselves shut out of the kingdom. They'll find themselves shut out of eternity in heaven. Are you going to be on the outside when Jesus returns? Because if you're not saved... You'll find yourself on the outside of salvation, on the outside of heaven, on the outside of hope, on the outside of mercy, on the outside of the grace of God. If the Lord comes, and he's coming back, we know that, and he finds us lost in sin, there's going to be no place for us but a place called hell. I don't like preaching on it, but that's the fact. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen to what the Bible says. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the majesty of his power. That's blunt. I know it's not politically correct, but I don't care. That's what's written in the Bible. The good news, the good news is that the return of Jesus doesn't have to catch any of us off guard. You can be ready. You can be saved. You know, just over 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus, he went to the cross. He gave his life in place of yours. If you receive him as the sacrifice for your sins, then God will save your soul. He'll take you to heaven when you leave this world. Then when Jesus does come, you'll be ready. So don't be like Sheba and find yourself lost forever. Be saved and have a blessed eternity. Now, there's a question I asked at the beginning of this. How will you meet the king? If Jesus came today, it could be today, I don't know, would you be worried? Would you be found waiting? Would you be found working? Or would you be found on the outside, cast away? Because like it or not, Jesus is coming again. And when he does, he'll find you in one of those four situations. Which one is going to be for you? Right now is a moment where we can make decisions. Right now is the time to come to the Lord and make things right with him. Will you do what you need to do so that when, the King, when King Jesus comes, you'll be able to meet him without any fear. That, brothers and sisters, is the decision you need to make. Would you join me in prayer? 
Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you that we can explore it together and that we can find parallels in the Old Testament with our lives right now. And Lord, we pray today that each one of us would be in right relationship with you, making the most of every day and making the most of every breath that you give to us and every breath that we've got left on this earth to be effective representatives of the kingdom for you and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.